Good afternoon, Texans. You're listening to the Bi-Monthly Disaster, hosted by Rylan Holt and Nicholas Ratcliffe. Today we are going to be giving you an update over the growing Russian and Ukraine tensions, as well as the Olympics. We will be bringing you news about the current Texas and Mexico border situation, and bringing you up to speed over what we're calling Truckergate. All brought to you by Texan News. So what's going on, man? What's going on in your life? So it's kind of weird, man. Um, I was checking my email this morning, and my graduation application finally got approved. And as long as I pass all my classes this semester, I get to graduate. And uh, let me tell y'all, for uh, anyone who's in a similar situation, I'm sure you can relate, it is getting stressful, and it's getting real. I've spent the last four years of my life enjoying Tarleton and everything it has to offer. And uh, I don't know what the heck I'm going to do once I graduate from this place, man. Yeah, I feel that. I mean, I've still got a year out, and... I don't know what I want to do, but I know I don't want to be here. You got any hard classes this semester, bro? Yeah, I've got a actually I've got I've got a test um, tonight, a little bit after this. <laughs> oh, fun! Um, fun. What about? And, well, it's in international environmental issues, which sounds fun within itself. Um, it's a writing intensive course, so the exam is four questions, four essay questions, but you pick the top three and then you write a page paper over each question. I always almost hated those tests. Like, yes, you have a lot more flexibility, right? Like, you get to pick and you get to kind of elaborate on your thoughts. I don't know. This is the first test that I'm going to be doing where I have the ability where there's not a straightforward answer. You know, it's not like white and black. It's, you know, there's room for me to interpret my own opinion on certain things. And even the professor even said that. And so we'll see. I might enjoy it more because I, I seem to have a better handle on things whenever it's about theory and like mm. the way the things process within the world yeah because i'm not too good on the whole memorization thing never yeah. have been i failed a and p a couple of times because <laughs> of that so that's what's going on right now man well that's crazy so speaking of um international classes and international problems Rylan, you wanted to give us an update on the uh building ukraine tensions i know a lot's happened obviously since the last time we talked about it yeah, so, I mean, right now, it seems that Russia is currently trying to, and he's, he's publicly stated that he's trying to figure out a political solution to this, that he doesn't want to invade Ukraine, but he will if he has to, and that it's not optimal for anybody for it to go down, like it currently is trying, um, and that... Even NATO says that this is a dangerous moment for European security because Russian forces are still going up and warning time for a possible attack is going down. However, Turkey has stepped up Ukraine support um, while Germany currently remains distant. Also, Russia, Belarus to begin war game drills. So that's another deal that they're talking about. Putin has said that He's trying to back them out of that. He's working on getting his troops out of there, that they were just doing training exercises and it was not a threat towards Ukraine in this situation. Now, do you think that it at one time was a threat and he's just trying to backtrack now that he's starting that we're starting to threat or threaten, sorry, the um, Nord Stream 2 pipeline? I know that obviously um, he talked to France recently. He talked to the French prime minister. And I know that their conversation seemed more productive, at least, than like recent peace talks were going. 
So do you think that that they're actually more productive or do you think that he's realized the corner that he kind of backed himself in and now he's trying to step out of it? Yeah, I mean, the reporters and even the White House spokeswoman, Jen Paskey, has said that the exercises were escalatory. I mean, they definitely seemed as though they were definitely a backwards threat where it was kind of, hey, we're preparing for this. But I don't think that it was ever meant to go any further than that as of the information that I've read so far. It would be kind of funny if Putin, like, backtracked as, like, yeah, this is just a military training exercise. And, like, the military training exercise he was referring to was an invasion of Ukraine. Like, it would be kind of funny if, like, he tried to sidestep this. Yeah, I mean, everybody's just bouncing off of each other because while Russia's doing that, Ukraine's also training for the same scenario. Well, so, and they have been with NATO for a while. Yeah, and so, like, U.S. currently has about, there's not a specific number, but sources say that there's about 165 U.S. troops that are there training them for in this Ukraine. event. Yes, in Ukraine. So I saw that about 5,000 U.S. troops were obviously going out there, but that's not in Ukraine, right? That they're being stationed in NATO allied countries around Ukraine? Well, nobody's been sent there yet. There's 8,000 troops in holding right now ready to go on okay. a moment's notice but even the u.s is saying that troops would most likely be used for evacuation regarding the tension okay so it's not like they're sending the troops in there to go fight they're just trying to not at this moment okay at this moment they're worried about evacuation because there are a bunch of people trying to get into poland right now escaping ukraine because they don't want to be there when and if this goes down okay but putin it seems like he's trying to backtrack yeah he's definitely trying to backtrack on. and talk about this more politically okay and before well what's going on with the olympics then the olympics currently on the political standpoint not much has really gone down um everybody's being really civil about it because the u.s said the u.s dignitary said that they didn't want their our athletes to feel like they had to prove something there but that they were just enjoying the sport and doing it for the country so in that instance we move on to the medal race currently by total medals we have first austria and second norway which makes sense that's usually about how it goes followed I mean, by canada winter sports largely predominant in those countries obviously yeah followed by canada also and then the russian olympic committee and then in fifth place we have the united states however when we go over to gold medal totals by themselves, Germany moves into first place with six, Norway with five, Austria with four, and the United States with four. So we're not doing too bad in the grand scheme of things, but as we are predominantly a summer sport country, this is as expected. Do you know what America is doing well in over there? Is it um, snowboarding, if I had to take yeah, a guess? Yeah, a, we have a good predominance in snowboarding, That's as well as um, we had a single-figure skater. Um, okay. He won. And then we also have a couple of downhill skiers. I kind of want to get a uh, Blades of Glory franchise restarted here. And I think that now that the Winter Olympics are on, it's the time. Uh, yeah. Do you know the skater who won? Do you know like why he did better, I guess, than the other people? Well, the figure skater was Nathan Chen. And I personally didn't watch it. Um, and that goes into a whole other ratings thing that the the ratings are down i mean that's they're what down i bad. heard 
in accordance to the decline is that it's among key young demographics. So Thursday's NBC window averaged just a 1.2 rating and adults 18 to 49 down 68% from 2018 and down 80% from 2014. So... Do you think that the Olympics losing traction has more to do with a political anti-China stance, or do you think it has more to do with just the fact that why watch the Olympics when we can choose a thousand different things? Yeah, I definitely think that personally it's a choice on it's just not exciting as compared to shows on Netflix, shows on Amazon, shows on Hulu. I mean, because I know that we talked about this the other day, um, and we were kind of talking about how like the opening ceremony used to be like this. I don't want to say big family event for everybody. Cause like, obviously that's not necessarily true, but at least for me and Rylan, our families would like watch, like we would always get together, not our families, but like with our independent family. And we would sit down as together and we would watch the um, opening ceremonies. And I noticed that the last time I think my family did that was in 2012 at the last Beijing Olympics. And obviously there's been a couple different chances yeah, where we could have done that. And it's just interesting to me that like, it's not just our generation though. Cause I don't even notice my parents really watching the Olympics anymore. And they used to be gung ho about that. So do you think that like Amazon, Netflix, all that, do you like, is it affecting their generation too? Or do you think that maybe they're just losing interest? as a whole well i mean 100 percent. i mean this digital age that we live in it's transferred everybody you know is like why would i why should i watch two hours of people doing the same tricks over and over again down the half pipe when i can watch a five minute youtube video of the biggest tricks you know and get to my excitement in five minutes rather than having to sit through the whole thing no, because I guess that's a good point. I wonder, and man, we should have looked this up. That would have been interesting. Um, if we could like look up 2022 Winter Olympic highlights on YouTube and see how many views they're getting. I'm sure we can do that right now. Um, but the, you're making a really good point because it's like, why sit down, watch the Olympics with all the commercials, with all the just announcers talking and like not a lot of action when you could simply go to YouTube and you could YouTube that you know, like the highlights of it. I mean, if you want to watch professional snowboarders, you know, rip the half pipe, why sit through all the commercials? You know, why not just go to YouTube? Yeah. So for example, right, I'm pulled up Olympics 22 here on YouTube and essentially we're looking at the views ranging from a hundred thousand at the least 500,000 views is the average and one and a half million views to 1.2 1.3 million views is what we're looking at and each of these videos is five minutes long so like you would think that obviously the olympics is a worldwide event youtube is a platform that exists all over the world it's interesting that there's only a couple million i mean <laughs> gondam style got a billion views for example you would think that it would at least reach out to 10 million people around the world that at least 10 million people around the world would want to watch these highlights would be more curious about how their country's doing in the Olympics. Yeah. I mean, then we get into the whole like statistics of everything on YouTube. And I mean, how long did it take gang gang of style to get to that point? You know, cause like this video of Nathan Chen um, winning the gold has one and a half million views and it was posted 14 hours ago. So I guess 
that's a fair point, and maybe it's worth reevaluating this at the end of the Olympics to see if viewership went up at all. Um, and I also wonder, is this problem happening in other countries, or is this an American problem in particular? Yeah, that's a good one we'll have to look into later. On other news in the Olympics, we're looking at um, the 15-year-old Russian sensation, Kamala, becomes the first women's figure skater to land a quadruple jump of the Olympics. However, it has been found out that she tested positive for doping. But there's a problem with that because she is 15. And according to the international law on um, sports, you have to be 16 years old to be convicted of it. And so we're in a limbo sort of style where we're figuring out, where the Olympic Committee is figuring out how to go about the medals because yeah it's like do you give her the medal because she can't be convicted of it or do you have morals and you're like well we can't convict you of it but we're gonna strip you of the medal and give it to the second place usa is she gonna be allowed to compete again in the future have they talked about that at all um i haven't seen anything on that no it's interesting to me because if y'all remember back in 2016 Russia was also caught in another Olympic doping scandal. And um, I just think it's funny how they would try again the next opportunity they got. You know what I mean? Like, you would think that since they got caught last time, they would, you know, maybe not try to cheat this time. But yeah, I guess but think about it. Putin's idea is She's just, 15. You have to be 16. You can't say that Russia didn't know that. No, exactly. They definitely knew that. And they definitely pushed her in there. Probably for that reason. I mean, I hate to say that, but why else would they send a 15-year-old instead of a 16-year-old? I mean, maybe she was just the best. Maybe she was, but maybe she was just the best because she was doping, and maybe Russia knew that. Who knows? They definitely knew it back in 2016. Yeah, so like those views that I mentioned earlier where we're looking at 100,000 to the highest on that video of the Russian Olympic Committee and um, the woman who was doping um, – she got 2.3 million views, and so the primetime coverage of the Olymp- opening ceremony averaged 7.25 million. However, that is the smallest primetime Olympic audience ever, still. And you had to think that a large portion of that was probably people who still have only cable. Yeah, only cable or just turned it on for background noise. I know yeah. my mom does that a lot while she's cooking in the kitchen. I was she just turns about on the to TV. say the same thing. Cooking in the kitchen, man. My mom always turned on TV. That makes a lot of sense that they would play something like the Olympics. Because traditionally, like we already talked about, the Olympics used to be a really big deal to our parents' generation and stuff like that. I mean, viewership has always been consistently high until probably about 2012 right the beijing olympics yeah that's about when it started to decline right after 2014 actually okay so that next winter olympics was that the first time uh sean white was performing at the winter olympics because i i kind of remember that to an extent i don't i don't think so he's been four times now i think he missed the last one due to injury Okay. So, I mean, he's getting kind of old, growing some gray hairs Yeah, there. he said that this is his last Olympics, right? Yeah, I mean, he's having a good time. He qualified for the finals, and so we'll see the standings on that later on. That's awesome. Well, moving on to the next news, Rylan, I know that you have a lot to talk about uh, when it comes to the Border Patrol and the United States, and I have a very interesting story myself to talk about in the midst of all of this. Yeah, so working conditions for Border Patrol is getting more attention, apparently. 
Um, a strained border patrol is getting increased attention from the Biden administration after tense meetings between senior officials and the rank and file while the agency deals with one of the largest spikes in migration along the U.S.-Mexico border in decades. Um, apparently, that's something that agents in the field wanted to hear um, because assaults are on the uptick. You know, um, they're not just seeing people who are fleeing to the U.S. They're seeing a large number of smugglers, members of the cartel and drug organizations that are actively engaged in doing harm. And that's the problem is that we're not just looking at migrants who are fleeing their current condition, but we're looking at people who are coming into the United States to cause harm to our citizens. Now, I, I would like to remind everybody uh, listening that we are from Texas. So we have kind of a different understanding that I think a lot of the country does when it comes to the threats across the border. It's easy for someone in New York or for someone in Pennsylvania to say, why don't they just let everybody in? Why is this a problem? But Ryland has a lot of truth behind what he's saying. Now, obviously, the large majority of people trying to cross from the Mexican border into this country are not part of the cartel, and they are not dangerous, and they are seeking asylum. But that does not change the fact that there is a portion of them that are from the cartel. And whether it's smuggling drugs, smuggling people, or really just any cartel member coming over here to help the cartel in America do whatever it is that they're doing. Like, it, it's a danger to us. It's a danger to Texans. It's a danger to other states that share a border, such as New Mexico and California. Our idea of the border troll is a lot different, is my point. Yeah, so the former police chief of Tucson, Arizona, said that we're seeing folks that are encountering political conditions and violence, unsafe conditions to live and work at unprecedented levels. We've seen, for example, in places, earthquakes or other environmental conditions, we're seeing unprecedented levels of poverty. All of these things that are in many ways pushing migrants again at high levels to this country. And just to top it off, I mean, things are escalating on the other side, too. So previously, while the cartel might fire at Mexican citizens trying to cross and, and the Mexican military as well, they've always kind of respected any National Guard that's gone over there or any border patrol. They've never really tried to start anything with them. But recently, I was reading a Fox News article online, and there were Border Patrol agents that who were patrolling the Rio Grande Valley sector, and they were fired upon from across the Mexican border. Now, this happened about a week ago, um, and no one got hurt, and everything was fine, but they fired back. But what the shocking part about this is the article was explaining how these Border Patrol agents are not used to being fired upon like that. That's not a common thing that happens to them. And it clearly shows the cartel is escalating. Now, do you think that that has anything to do with maybe Biden coming in and loosening some of the uh, of the uh, restrictions on immigration? Do you think that the cartel just is trying to take this opening to get more people in? Or, I mean, what do you think is going on there? Yeah, I mean, for example, through the Biden administration, um, Border Patrol agents and the National Guard have sort of taken a sidestepped role into mainly transporting uh, migrants as well as um, holding them. You know, instead of actually guarding the border and making runs and working in the field, they're complaining about doing nothing except releasing people into the United States, referring to the practice of allowing migrants to remain free while their cases wind through the immigration court. Now, that there could be a 
many of you on that statement alone. Um, and I guess it just depends on your opinion on that. And once again, we're not saying that the Border Patrol shouldn't be letting immigrants into this country. I, I, I'm not going to put words in Rylan's mouth, but I think like most people, I stand where if an immigrant wants to come here and they pass a background check, I mean, I have literally no problem with them coming to this country. They don't even have to speak the best English in my mind. They don't have to pass an American test because we can teach them that over time. They, they'll learn a lot about that through our culture. All we need is to make sure that the people we let in aren't criminals. And it's really, it, it, it's kind of a concerning thought that we're being so overloaded that we just kind of have to let people in and then check after the fact. Well, a lot of it, too, is that as well as seeing an influx of the cartel and criminal organizations, we're also seeing an influx of families and children. And Border Patrol agents, they don't want to do that. Yeah. You know, th that's not what they want to do. You know, it's like that they said it's not what we signed up to do. And their jobs are becoming more challenging amid an influx of Cubans, Nicaraguans, and Venezuelans. And it's really taken a toll on their morale because they're like, well, why, why? And then amidst all of this, um, so recently in El Paso, the Border Patrol tested this robot. And this robot was made by a company called Ghost Robotics. And essentially what this thing is, Rylan, is like a robot dog. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen the show Black Mirror. But they have a whole ass episode about a robot dog chasing down the last of human survivors and hunting them and killing them. I want to know why it is we think it's a good idea to start equipping people like the Border Patrol with robot dogs. Now, the robot dog they tested, just to clarify, was not weaponized. It was unarmed, right? However, Ghost Robotics, the same company has the same model with a sniper rifle equipped to it, meaning that they make the same kind of robot dog with the capability of taking someone out from, you know, 200 yards away. I mean, I think their goal is not just to be firing upon random people at will. Um, I think it gives, they're looking for giving us a uptick compared to the cartel when they're coming across. You know, it was like, for instance, when we got fired upon by them um, earlier this this month, um, you know, it was like, at what point do they have the upper hand? And so I think that with the dog, we're just taking the up, uphill advantage in being able to send an ob like a, a machine in there that's controlled by a human still, and it being able to take care of business that humans do no longer have to go and put their lives at risk. Look, this dog might be controlled by a human right now, right? Like right now. But five years from now, man, that's not a guaranteed thing. In fact, there's almost, without a doubt, there's so much evidence that suggests that AI is, in fact, being weaponized by our government. I mean, I don't have the relevant information pulled up, but that that is a conclusion that's not hard to come to if you just Google around about it, you know? So I agree to a point, like if we're just going to use drones, cool. There's nothing wrong with drones. There's a person behind there, right? It starts to get sketchy, though, when these drones can walk on all terrains by themselves and can snipe you from 200 yards away. Yeah, I mean, I totally get it. It is a little sketchy, and, I mean, I think 
you need to take in the precautionary principle into this. I think the government does at least um, that, you know, we need to understand and be able to see trials and tribulations on it, showing that it's not going to go outside of its realm. Yeah, and I also think that um, the the person okay, so this guy named Cat or Gavin Can Canali, Keneally, Gavin Keneally, he's the chief operating officer of Ghost Robotics, right? So according to the Guardian, who got a quote from him, he said that this forty five, um, what's that, kilogram robot, kg kilogram, yeah. right? Okay, forty five kilogram robot dog was bred, okay, robot dog bred to walk on sand rocks and hills as well as human bu- human built environments such as stairs what why would he say bread like why would he say bread does that not to you make the whole thing just that much creepier i mean it definitely is a little creepy i'm not sure why he chose that words other those words other than you know he might have meant it the opposite way of making it sound more earth-like and referencing it to a term normally attributed with Living, real life dog like living things it's just a, it was just a creepy little fun fact of the day i thought oh, i would yeah. share um so just in case any of y'all haven't seen that black mirror episode why don't you go ahead and watch it because it seems like we're heading in that direction yeah i think black mirror definitely <laughs> i love that show and i wish they would bring out more episodes um yeah i feel like they kind of haven't done much since they did that whole like choose your own fate episode yeah it's been kind of disappointing ago. but definitely think that they have some light into the future for sure um and i'm sure like uh, it's not like the united states government saw that episode and then started making this robot i'm sure that the writer of that episode because they all are directed used you know current robotics that are in place uh, that our modern technology has to kind of get a model or a representation of what where they think it could be in 10 years right so I am not saying that this robot dog is the end of the world by any means. It's just scary to think about. And it's weird how we're starting to see them deployed, not just in like a military setting, but in like a, like, cause once it goes to the border patrol, how long until the police start using these dogs? It's just, it's an interesting thought. Do we want these dogs roaming streets in America? Are they just going to stay at the border? I don't know. It's just interesting. But anyways, uh, moving on to the next topic. I know you wanted to talk about Greg Abbott, who's coming up for re-election soon, if I am correct. Yeah, I mean, I really just wanted to highlight here that um, early voting begins on Monday for the Texas March 1st primary, um, which is where you elect your officials of the state. And I think that's important for us to let you know that because a lot of people don't know oftentimes, especially with the lack of cable these days, you know, and a lack of people actually researching news articles is that that is coming up and if you want to see change in your community that's a good way to do it you know and a lot of people say that uh they feel like their vote doesn't really matter and uh i kind of am inclined to agree with them when it comes to a lot of federal policy a lot of federal decision you know like at the end of the day for example when we vote for president the electoral college decides that yes they try their hardest to go off of their district's votes but they do have the right to vote opposite of what their district voted. However, by voting in our local government officials, even at the state level, our vote has a lot more power. Which is why we wanted to highlight something like Truckergate. Yeah. Truckergate is a perfect example of what happens 
when I guess our our state officials get bored. So for those of y'all who don't know, um, Truckergate is this interesting thing going on, which started with a protest in Canada. So essentially, all these truckers are rallying in Canada to protest Canadian COVID restrictions that are in place. Um, now, we're not going to get into the details of what the truckers are protesting about the COVID restrictions because that's kind of irrelevant to the situation we're here to talk about. What we want to talk about this is how Texas is getting involved with this Canadian trucker debate. So there was a GoFundMe that was launched by the Canadian truckers who were protesting this event. This GoFundMe managed to raise quite a bit of money. However, AP News and a couple other local officials in Canada have recently started to report that the, the, what started as a peaceful protest by these truckers has kind of turned into an occupation as of sorts. They're causing a lot of ruckus. They're not letting people who aren't part of the protest get to their normal jobs. It, it, it's very reflective of just kind of chaos out there, right? So GoFundMe decided to stop allowing people to donate to this organization and has now decided that they're going to partner with this organization to donate any of the money that was raised for them and give it to other charities. Now, GoFundMe is not telling them what charities they have to donate to. But GoFundMe is saying, we're not giving y'all the money. Y'all have to pick what charities this go to. It's not going to y'all. So for whatever reason, our lovely attorney state general, Ken Paxton, who we will just get into here in a little bit about, he decided that that's not fair. Even though GoFundMe has already said that anyone who wants to ask for a refund who donated to this organization can get their money back by February 19th. So Ken Paxton is essentially saying that it's unfair how Texas citizens donated to this GoFundMe thinking this money was going to go towards this trucker campaign, right? And yeah. now he's saying that since GoFundMe is deciding where the resources are going to be allocated, that he has the right to sue them on behalf of the citizens of Texas. Yeah, I mean, he's suing them currently in accordance to the Texas Deceptive Trade Practices Act which was enacted on May 21st in 1973, which its primary purpose is to protect consumers against false, misleading, and deceptive businesses and insurance practices, unconscionable actions, and breaches of warranty. So, I mean, I guess I could see where he was coming from, maybe if GoFundMe wasn't offering the refund, right? Yeah, I mean, they're offering the refund, so I'm not sure that his statement even stays intact. And an another thing I just want to add is that... Um, our, our, our Texas Senator, Ted Cruz, also decided to get involved with a quote, and this is directly from the Dallas Morning News, just so everyone is aware. His quote is, the Canadian truckers are heroes. They are patriots, and they are marching for your freedom, and they are marching for my freedom. Now, why would Senator Ted Cruz state that Canadians protesting against their government's laws is in any way protecting American from our government's laws? Can you see any logic behind that whatsoever? Okay, so I'm not sure that he meant it exactly in that way. No, I know that he didn't literally mean that their protest is going to determine anything about America. Like, I understand that completely. But how do you think he would react if Canadians even hinted to Americans how we should be living our lives? I mean, I'm, yeah, I get where it's, you're coming from. It just seems one. kind of like... 
like I know that he didn't literally mean like their their decision is going to impact us. But at the same time, like why why is he going so out of his way to adamantly act like this is our issue? Like this like what happens in Canada with this trucker protest, it's really not a concern to our government officials. I mean, it's definitely not, but I think he was just trying to promote democracy and like the views on it and how a government shouldn't control to that aspect of it. I get that, but he's the same guy who was pretty anti uh, Black Lives Matter protests when they were happening. And, you know, and I'm not going to get involved with the politics of that whole situation. I'm just saying that it's weird to me how he would go so out of his way to defend Canadian protesting when his own history with Americans protesting isn't as stable as some other politicians are, for example. Yeah, I don't know. Because, I mean, the Canadian public safety minister came back and said, certainly not the concern of the Texas attorney general as to how we in Canada go about our daily lives in accordance with the rule of law. You would just think that some of these people had, you know, more important stuff to think about, such as the fact that maybe our power grid failed about a year and a half ago and we still haven't done much to address that issue. But no, it's cool. Let's talk about Canada and truckers for sure. Yeah, I mean, we're so far away from Canada that I'm not, I don't, I don't know. But that goes, that, that leads us kind of back to the thing that we were saying earlier about local elections and particularly state elections because these people hold a lot of power. And one of these people who I want to talk about who holds a lot of power is our attorney general, Ken Paxton. Now, all the information I'm about to tell you, I found on the Texas Tribune's website. So for those of you who don't know, the Texas Tribune is a local newspaper here in Texas who has a pretty stellar reputation for journalism. I mean, they don't claim to be the best by any means, but they really take a lot of inspiration from people like the Dallas Morning News and the Houston Chronicle and, you know, those established newspapers who have been around since, you know, forever practically. Um, so Ken Paxton, I don't even know where to start with this, so I guess we're just going to go in chronological order, Rylan, and please feel free to interject with any thoughts, questions, or comments. No, I got you. This Believe is pretty me, shocking information. So Ken Paxton... Back in July of 2015, and this was his second year in office, so he was just voted in in um, 2014. He is uh, he was charged with two first degree counts of security fraud and one minor count of security fraud. And to this day, so six years later, he still has not faced charges. Now, on top of this, back in October of 2020. Eight of his top deputies, eight of them. So eight, and these aren't just like assistants. These are top deputies who he staffed to be part of his decision-making process, right? Eight deputies accused him of bribery and misuse of office. A couple weeks later, in fact, I think it was two to three weeks later, all eight of them were either fired or let go or quit on their own accord. Currently, Four of those people are suing them for loss of salary and they're suing them hopefully to get their jobs back and they're doing this under the state's whistleblower laws. So our state has whistleblower laws that protect people who whistleblow honestly for the public interest, for the good of the public. They're protected from being fired by a corporation, right? They're protected yeah. from being fired for whistleblowing. It seems like even though Ken Paxton 
has stated that they weren't fired for that reason. I mean, all eight of them don't work there anymore. How, how can you even defend that? I don't know. And I mean, I've got to say that obviously whoever's hiding this, whether it's Kim Paxton himself or people who are in support of him, are doing a good job of it. Because before today, when you brought it up to me, I had no idea about any of this. I was just reading the article regarding it. And I was like, oh, Ken Paxton, cool, and just <laughs> moved on. And I probably would have reelected him. And, um, you know, just to reiterate or reiterate the, the whistleblowers, right? The FBI is still currently investigating their allegations. So this is not something that, like, just happened and no one believed or doesn't have any merit. I mean, the FBI is on this case still to this day. They are still investigating this. He's still under FBI investigation. But that's not what I'm here to talk to you about today, Rylan. What I'm here to talk to you about is his most recent scandal. Because, yes, ladies and gentlemen, that's not all Kent Paxton has done. So, for those of you who don't know, Ken Paxton was at the January 6th riots. And by at them, I don't mean at the Capitol, but he was at the rally that preceded the Capitol riots events, right? So... Five of the state's top newspapers decided that they wanted to request a TPIA, which is the Texas Public Information Act, on Kent Paxton, and they wanted to know what he was there talking about. They want to know what his communication with his emails and texts and phone calls were to the other leaders of the rally. And uh, so far, Ken Paxton has not followed through with that. Now, for those of you who don't know, the Texas Public Information Act is a legal document and a law that has been in practice for a long time in this state. It requires any public figure in the state of Texas to submit any public form of information or uh, of in, any public form of information, including their phone calls, their text, their emails. And that is not just on their work phone. That is on their personal account. So that's why these news agencies are going forward with filing this instead of just finding a recording of it. They're looking for more in-depth detail on this. Exactly, because they can watch the YouTube videos to see what he said at the rally, right? But it is his responsibility as a Texas public official to, if anyone asks for the information under the TPIA Act, which any American or any Texas citizen can do, you don't have to work for the press, but if you work for the press you'd have just as much right or just as much of a right to request this information, right? So I guess they're trying to get him for the same concept that they try to get Donald Trump for is exciting the rally. Yes, although they're not directly staying that, right? Because the five publications that are going after him right now, and hold on, I just well, want to... Well, yeah, they're not, they're not saying that, but why else would you, instead of just listening to his YouTube video, why else would you want the background information well, to understand why he was there in the first place, right? I think that you're right, and I think that this will kind of help shed some light on the subject, right? So these five newspapers are the Austin American Statesman, the Dallas Morning News, the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, the Houston Chronicle, and the San Antonio Express News. Now, these are all the biggest news publications of those respected cities, right? So these are like the five biggest cities in the state of Texas. These are the five probably most read newspapers within the state of Texas, right? I don't think that they're necessarily trying to get him on any criminal charges as much as they are just trying to inform us what happened at the riot those days. Because we're talking about local newspapers here. We're not talking about some... CNN, Fox News, 
media bias stuff going on. We're talking about newspapers that really just try to tell the local communities what's going on with their elected leaders. I mean, that makes sense because, I mean, that would have a lot of play in if in, in any educated person's um, election. You know? That's what I'm saying. It's like they're, I think that these newspapers are really looking at the situation of here's one of our elected officials who happened to be connected to something that you know, doesn't really look good for the American public. Like, regardless of where you stand with the whole last election, I think we can all agree that storming the Capitol violently is probably not the right answer to democracy, right? And it's I, not the right one, but it is one. It is one, and I'm not saying it's not, but it is, it's probably not the right way to go and about things. that was things. in no way me defending what happened. Of no. course, of course. Um, I, I mean, it is their right to protest, and them protesting before they storm the Capitol is their American right, and there's literally nothing wrong with that. It's when the violence gets involved that we all start to go, like, did that have to happen, right? I mean, yeah. people died at this event. That didn't necessarily have to happen, but here Ken Paxton is a proponent of this event. And here are these five major cities in Texas and their newspapers just trying to tell the public how he was a proponent of it. They're not trying to frame it as, hey, he's the leader of the insurrection because he's he's not realistically. In fact, no one there was what people do based off of someone else's speech is not necessarily it's not this person who gave the speech's fault. Right. But to an extent. I mean, yes, you can maybe rile a crowd and everything like that. But if I say something to you, your reaction is not my under my control, right? It's your reaction that ultimately defines what you do with the information I just provided. All these newspapers are trying to do is provide us with the information Ken Paxton provided everybody else. So they decided to sue Ken Paxton. And because these newspapers are scattered throughout multiple counties, they decided to use um, Austin's uh, county. So they launched this lawsuit in Travis County District Court, right? And the judge in charge of this sided with the newspaper and has said that Ken Paxton is, he's withholding information that does fall under the TPIA Act. It does fall under the Texas Public Information Act. So they told him to send all the documents that these newspapers requested within four days, and so far, Ken Paxton has it. In fact, he's gone on to attack the Travis County court system and is currently saying that these are fabricated um, claims and that they have no base in reality and that he fully complied with the TPIA. However, I would like to say that these newspapers know that they don't because for sure he left out multiple text messages from some of their reporters. So they know that he didn't share all the information. Yeah, what happens if, so they obviously still haven't gotten it even after the court order. No. What happens if he doesn't? Well, I think that right now the law team is currently, there's not a lot of news on where they're going from here, right? And Travis County is also being particularly quiet about this. So I think that his fail, his failure to comply with these orders, I think that currently, I'm sure the district county judges and the legal team or and the lawyers that are supporting these um, pub news publications, I'm sure that they're planning their next move right now. And it's kind of hard to find some information about that because obviously they don't want to put out their legal strategy, right? Yeah. But the reason I'm bringing this all up is because Ken Paxton, you know, regardless of your political philosophy, which I am definitely not here to tell you who to vote for or how to vote, I, I think most Texas citizens can agree that corruption needs to be get kicked out of office. And we're clearly talking about a man who is corrupt. He has bent the law 
to his will multiple times. We have multiple examples on record of him doing this kind of thing. And clearly he's not getting any better because every year or two years, it seems like there's a new scandal. Yeah, even if, like, let's say that I liked the way that Ken Paxton ran his office minus all of these allegations or confirmed allegations. Um, and he was indicted, by the way, on the, the 2015 um, charges, on the security charges. He was indicted. So, like, it is proven that he did do that. He just hasn't faced punishment yet. So, like, like, that's not a claim. That is a legitimate, yeah. like, he did that. I mean, Regarding those, and like, let's just say that those weren't there, and I'm just looking at the way that he handled his position as attorney general. Let's say that I like the way that he did that position specifically. Um, you know, now we bring in these indictments and these allegations, and I've got to say that there's probably someone else who is going to run that position the same kind of way. Not, it's obviously not going to be exact. But there's no. got to be someone out there who's going to run it the same kind of way who I can rally behind in instead. Fact, in fact, there are three. Um, and, you know, I'm not. These are all Republic. These are all people fighting for the Republican nomination to run for the district attorney of Texas or the general attorney of Texas. Right. So these are all people who are running against Ken Paxton. Right. Now, I'm not saying if you aren't a Republican to vote Republican. I'm just saying that these are the Republican options that we could use to replace them if you are a Republican minded person. My whole point of this is not to tell you who to vote for or how to vote, but to tell you we need to get a man like Ken Paxton out of office. And if you are someone who agreed with his what he stood for, but not what he did, then these three people are running against him and they all hold similar morals. These people include George P. Bush, Louis B. Gohmert Jr., and Eva Gisman. Now, George P. Bush is currently, man, I don't want to get this wrong. He's currently in charge of, I think, the train yard, the train shipping. Um, I want to talk about Eva Gisman in particular. So Eva Gisman was a... Texas Supreme Court judge, right? So she was on our Supreme Court, obviously not the federal level, but the state level. We're talking about someone who has a long political record of the this type of decisions she's going to make and the type of moral values that she upholds, right? Now, I haven't looked into every political move that she's made, so I am not sitting here endor endorsing her and I'm not sitting here saying that she is even who I am going to vote for in this upcoming election. All I'm saying is that someone like her with a long political track record who has clearly established what their morals are and what they do while they're in office is a great person to maybe consider putting in office over someone who has a long track record of clearly just deceitful behavior that isn't helping the Texas public in any way. For sure, yeah. You you mentioned earlier you were talking about what George V. Bush does. Yeah, he's currently the commissioner of the Texas General Land Office. That's what it was, the land commissioner. Okay. Fun fact: he was even a critic of Trump last year. My point being here, and just to reiterate, I am not telling y'all who to vote for. I'm telling y'all who not to vote for. Someone like Ken Paxton needs to be pushed out of office. Even if everything that he did recently that isn't confirmed isn't true, the fact that these scandals keep popping up after the confirmed scandal that we know for real happened is proof that maybe even if he is innocent of these, you know, the current ones that are still developing, 
maybe he should just get out of office so he can handle those. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say that I know Ken Paxton and that he's a bad guy. But clearly, it's time for someone else to at least, while he deals with all the current stuff going on, to take over. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a good way to put it. So, from this conversation, we hope we've updated you on the current conflicts in Russia and Ukraine, as well as the current Olympic outlook and how the ratings have taken a dive. We also talked about the growing stress that the U.S. Border Patrol is facing and how the uptick in immigration is impacting the moral of the Border Patrol agents. On top of this, we discussed the importance of local and state elections and how certain elected government officials seem to be digging their noses into other countries' affairs, even though those affairs have no impact on their constituents. Our next episode will be published on the official TNS podcasting platform, which will make it easier to find any TNS podcast in the future. Our episodes will still be on Spotify, and we are currently looking to expand to several other platforms. We hope you enjoyed this week's show, and as always, stay classy Texans.